Ah, uh, we talked about it last week, Doug. Who wore it best for an offseason of success? Now we touch into a couple of teams around the league that we thought really missed the mark when it came to improving their chances at title odds this season. And also, discuss Kevin Durant and what could have been, arguably, the rerun of an epic era of NBA basketball. Coming up next. You are locked on Nets. Your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie, owner-operator of DFSR, for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel. He's got you covered. I'm Adam Arbeck, breaking down the New York football giants after a win on the One Giant Podcast with my boy, Andy Mack. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day, free on all those great platforms. And Doug... We got a juicy one here, man. You can tell I'm buzzing a little bit because, uh, as I said there, Giants don't win often, man. So I'm uh, I'm fully invested in sports landscape right now for the area. Oh, yeah. we uh, yeah, I was getting into it, too. I've kind of eschewed my Giants fandom because they stunk so bad for so long. But when they're good, hey, I'll front run with the best of them. So I'm happy to, ju- <laughs> happy to jump back. Why do you think we started the Nets podcast? Uh, happy to jump back in. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, to Giants fandom. Texted you all day. But plenty to talk about here. NBA offseason. Rolls on. Um, I do do a question. Do you think more net? This is probably an obvious answer. Are more net? Are more Nets fans Jets fans or Giants fans? Probably Jets, right? I, I think. So. I feel like Giants is yeah. Knicks. I feel like Giants, Giants is Knicks. Knicks. And, yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, because yeah, like it breaks down very much down the middle. Like it's if you're a Giants fan, you're a Yankees fan. If you're a Jets fan, you're a Mets fan. And I even feel like if you're a Mets fan, you're a Rangers fan. And the Devils get some of like the Giants fan base. But that's a good question about Knicks. Uh, Knicks Nets. I'm not entirely sure. Hit us in the comments about that one. I'm actually quite curious because. I'll have an issue probably if there's an allegiance with the, with, with the Jets. I also feel like there's like a big group of Nets fans that just don't like football. Like that's that, there's also that, yeah, there's some people that are telling us in the comments right now, ain't nobody care about football. It's like counter, like, it's a little, like a little counterculture Nets fans, like a little counterculture, like yeah. not too into it, would like di- would dislike the NFL just because, you know. Yep, <laughs> like, yeah, sure. Listen, anyway. you got to feel yourself sometimes. <laughs> Bottom line being, uh, we talked about it last week, looking at teams that we thought did a really good job in the NBA offseason. You highlighted the Philadelphia 76ers. A lot of teams uh, in, the, in the NBA Eastern Conference maybe did themselves uh, some – Service. I was going to say disservice, which would have been reverse. Scratch that, reverse it. By by improving their opportunities to win a championship. But we did highlight there were some other teams that for you and me it was kind of a head-scratcher as to, boy, you come into an off-season where, hey, if you do it right, you could push yourself right into that conference championship conversation and beyond. Uh, let's start, as you said at the top there, so who knows which way the fan bases are going to go here. But we know for one thing, if you're listening to the Lockdown Nets podcast, you're going to love Doug's take on the New York Knicks. Okay, yeah. So I, you know, I will say that finding a team that you dislike their moves is a little harder sometimes than the finding a team that you like their moves because a lot of times, um, a lot of times, like stasis, like doing nothing, 
doesn't isn't necessarily a bad thing. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of teams that just sat and didn't do much. You know, like look at Phoenix, kind of like the Warriors, right? Like teams that were the Celtics, right? Um, teams that just didn't make huge moves, but you don't dislike it because they didn't make moves because they were good teams pretty much anyway. And you're like, oh, what, what could they realistically have done? So sometimes finding a team that you dislike their moves is harder. And then you have teams at the bottom that are just clearly tanking. San Antonio, the Jazz, right? And then for what they're trying to do, you can like their moves because you're like, well, they're not trying to get better because it doesn't make any sense right now. So there is a, a smaller group in terms of sometimes finding the dislikes. Um, but I, I think the Knicks, you have to throw them in here for a bunch of different reasons. I, I think that where they are, I, and sometimes it comes down to expectation. I think that Knicks fans and the Knicks even front office had different expectations around this offseason in landing a trade asset in terms in like a Donovan Mitchell or someone of the like. And that's really what they were had setting up to to do. They were setting up by unload. They get rid of the Walker contract. They get rid of Burks. Like they 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 kind of like give away assets just to get off money to be able to open up space. And it looked like all signs were pointing that they were going to bring on Donovan Mitchell. It didn't happen. And I think just starting there makes them in a weird situation because they weren't able. Like I don't think they really improved, or if they improved, it was only marginally. And they're just in this really weird spot now around, like, what's the plan? And so, and it's just hilarious, too, because it's forever with the Knicks. It's like always in on the superstar conversation, never actually getting home on it in the last, you know, many decades. (laughs) Always reporting that we're in on those superstars, whether or not they're actually in on those superstars usually tends to be the case here. Let me, so let me ask you real quick then, because you're basically, you're, you're saying that because they were setting themselves up to be in on a Donovan Mitchell and did not get him. That's why you're saying they had a bad offseason. Because I can actually, and Nets fans may not love this, like I can I can look at the other side of not getting Donovan Mitchell in the grand scheme of things. But if we're talking Mitchell specifically, I look at it one way. If you just talk about Superstar X and you leave it open like that, then I can say that it was a failure on their part this offseason. Yeah, okay, so right, sometimes the expectation just by having the information out there can make something disappointing when maybe it wasn't all that realistic. I, I do think they were close on this trade, um, and whether or not, it, whatever it was because they didn't want to include Barrett or didn't want to include Quentin Grimes, which ended up becoming a thing, or just that you know Utah liked the Cleveland package better. Like, I'm not really, I'm not really sure. Maybe the Knicks aren't at fault for this. Like, maybe they tried. Maybe they put in every. Maybe their maybe their offer was better. Like than the Cavs. Like in the end, I'm not really sure. So maybe it's well, hard to me, fault so them let on me it. Frame it this yeah. way though, too, because okay, they could have gotten Donovan Mitchell. I'll make the case that while Donovan Mitchell would have been obviously the best player on their team and would have been the splash of the offseason for them and maybe one of the top you know moves that happened in the NBA landscape, I don't know if the Donovan Mitchell Jalen Brunson backcourt ticket was going to be the so the the answer totally. to the question of how do we get better and how do we make ourselves a better team. Doesn't mean that I think that RJ Barrett is the future all-star of the NBA, but he's steadily improved. The the pieces on that roster, you can debate about how good or bad they are, but what I don't think is debatable is that making that move for for Mitchell at whatever cost, players and assets, I think that if you're a Knicks fan, you would have looked back in two years and gone, so what did we really accomplish with this? Yeah. It was fun. It was a lot of fun to watch Mitchell. Guy's going to be electric. But I don't know if you if I would have looked at them any differently in the landscape of the Eastern Conference, the way that you look at Cleveland in adding Donovan Mitchell and what their prospects are in the next two, you know, two three years. Totally. And not unloading everything 
there's a world where they just get Donovan Mitchell anyway in like two years because the right. Cavs can't keep him and he's just going to become uh, available again. Like that is, and, and we do know that superstars become available and the Knicks actually do have some assets for it. I guess it's the Mitchell thing combined with putting a lot of faith at $25 million into Jalen Brunson to be able to just like run your entire offense through Jalen Brunson at a pretty hefty number mm-hmm. um, is another move that I was like, it's not the worst thing in the world. But it's kind of just like, what are you doing? Like, what's the plan here? Is the plan to just be an eighth seed? Because that's that fine. Was the, and that is the flip side of this offseason coin for the Knicks. Like, you're talking about the big swing. But the one thing that you did was bring in Jalen Brunson. I th- You just said it. It's like, all right. You know, like, okay. It, like, I know what Brunson is, and I can like him as a player. But again, eh. And does that really, does that really change your expectations of the team? They got better by getting him. But it doesn't mean that you've, you know, you're going to need everybody else on this roster that you've already had there to take a seismic step forward to change what the expectations in the upcoming season is going to be. Yeah, right. And so then you combine that with they they bring in Isaiah Hartenstein, which I and pretty much everyone else likes. Like he was a really, really good center last year, which looks good. It's like, oh, $8 million a year for Isaiah Hartenstein. You'll love that. Except then they signed Mitchell Robinson for four more years. Like, so it's, it's, and they, and those guys can't play together. And now you have two big centers, both of whom are fine. Like Robinson's been perpetually sort of, I would call him disappointing, but, um, and each one of those moves in a vacuum is probably fine, except that doing it together, they can't ever play together. And so you're just kind of, they, they are mutually, exclu- they, they're mutually exclusive to each other. Excuse me, they aren't, they aren't mutually exclusive to each other because they can't play together. And the team just looks weird again. So I, I right. look, there's still, you're no more, pro- you're no more defined necessarily marginally maybe, but you're no real, really more defined as what you are as a team and the roles and filling some more of those missing pieces well, and, than you Right, would. because one of the worst places you can be, and then we'll kind of move on to this other team, but one of the worst places you can be in the NBA, in my opinion, is just like perpetually in the play-in game, yeah. <laughs> right? Like that's, like that's just such a terrible place because it means you're not good enough to win the championship and you're not bad enough to actually get good draft picks. And so the... It, what's <laughs> yeah but they're there for a different reason the um they're, they're just because chaos the yeah, you're you're, but, you're this ambiguous space though you're you're close enough where you want to push for the playoffs but you're not far enough away where you know you're going to get quality assets yeah. and, and you should want to compete but you also know your ceiling is not going to be a four seed or really making a run in the playoffs it's just this weird wilderness and so yeah. I, that's where and that's what kind of where the brunson and the hartenstein signings when you don't get the next piece like when you don't do the next thing these signings just look it's like great now you're just good enough to be the ninth seed and yeah. or maybe not and so you're not going to be in the discussion for a better draft pick you're definitely not going to be in the discussion to win a play let's just call it win a playoff series right mm-hmm. like forget about like forget about championship only one team ever gets to do that but let's just say you know win a whole playoff series where you can go like six or seven games that like that would be a nice that'd be a nice like sort of next step forward for the Knicks right but and they might not have be favored in the playing game that they get matched up with definitely this not season. definitely yeah. not against yeah. the rest of this east like the east right. is too good and so this is where these moves end up I'm, I'm all for a tank if you think you can do it i'm all for going all in and then just being better actually like i'm starting to come around on that idea like a la the calves the you know just be go a lot of all all in and be like a four seed five like three seed like that yeah. actually to me in some ways is probably okay but this is just not that this is just if this is some other different category and i just really really don't like it maybe they have another move we know these guys come available they have a ton of they still have assets like they can actually still make a move at some point that's been the Knicks calling card forever now is that they can you know they're they're in the they're in the conversation they're taking the meeting but they just haven't gotten there all right we'll get into your team 
here in a second. First, got to talk to you about our friends over at Bet Online. If you weren't over on Bet Online this past weekend uh, with all the football stuff, I really actually just don't even know what to tell you. And this is the absolute best time of year uh, when it comes to jumping on a place like BetOnline.net. It's your number one source for all your pro and college betting needs, and you know, leading up to the NBA season as well. It's just a flurry of action. You go over there, you get the props, you get the games, you get the sides, the over unders. It's really all there for you. It's your number one sp- uh, source for all your sports wagering information. Information. You get the live betting too. If you want to just get a little sweat in game, Bet Online's got you covered for the in game stuff as well. Head on over to betonline.net right now. You learn about all the trends, you learn about all of the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, so we're going to tap into here. By the way, if I could, if I could just briefly mention the fact that I um I put in I had a parlay bet going this weekend, I missed what I like to call the Spider Plus One parlay on NFL Sunday by one Cincinnati Bengals-Pittsburgh Steelers game and that field goal. Otherwise, oh. I was knocking down every single pick, winners and losers across the board, and I'm talking about a $5 bet that that was... Does um, the tie get you home, by the way? Like, would a tie have gotten you there? Boy, it sure doesn't, my friend. It sure does not, <laughs> no. So that was uh, painful in a different weird way. But um, painful maybe then for a Western Conference team to me, and, and ironically tied to the New York Knicks that you mentioned there, and that's the Dallas Mavericks. I do, if we have time, want to touch on the Knicks with an interesting question for you, so maybe we'll get to that here in the third segment coming up the Dallas Mavericks to me you lose Jalen Brunson nice player not a great player okay fine when you look at their offseason though and where they are and I'm going to set the premise with you have Luka you have one of the best players just about to start scratching the fringe of the prime of his career this guy is still ascending to what he is going to be as a superstar talent in the league. You bring back Kleber, you bring in Dorsey, um, you bring in JaVale McGee. The, I guess the flashy signing we're going to say was getting Christian uh, Christian Wood. And I, I don't know Brendan Knight is in this mixture, just all the things that they did over the course of the offseason. My problem with them is you surprised some people last year, and we know Spencer Dinwiddie's on that roster, and he played a big part in the playoffs for them. But then you essentially go into an offseason where your question has primarily been getting high functionality out of your bigs in this system, right? They had the Kristaps Porzingis era, all these other iterations. They can never seem to quite find that missing piece. And you take a flyer on a, maybe, maybe it could work out for you. You don't go do the big thing. And I could even make the case, well, can keep it Donovan Mitchell-centric. There's a world where you should have been in on the Donovan Mitchell discussions here and keeping Spencer Dinwiddie in that role where he's best suited, a powerhouse coming in off the bench and being a contributor and surprising you with some of the big plays that he can make. I just think that the Dallas Mavericks essentially like went into this offseason, looked around the landscape and said, we're pretty good, we'll tweak it. And I don't know if that moves the needle for me on what they accomplish going into the upcoming season, and specifically the playoffs. Like, they don't look like any more of a dangerous, dynamic, or threatening playoff team. And I can list several teams in the West, like the Grizzlies, like the Pelicans, that are surging up potentially and creating havoc for the Mavericks, where would I be shocked if they're a middle-of-the-road team that gets bounced? No. Yeah, you know, it's so funny when you have a guy like Luka, because Luka is, like, in some way, this is not the same as the Knicks situation, right? Because the Knicks didn't have, don't have a guy like this. Like, Luka, you have a top five NBA player on your hands here. Like, you have a guy, and you have him for a while, so, like, you're not worried about losing him here. I mean, you have him through 26-27. He's signed the max, the, the max uh, extension, so he's, he's going to be a Maverick for a long time. And maybe you say to yourself, 
hey, we don't have the bullets right now, but we have him for a long time. He's still super young. Um, and, you know, we have we have a runway here where if we sell everything right now, like the tail end, or, you know, maybe even his prime, like there's a good chance he's not even in his prime right now, which is no, totally ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and and, you know, you, you, you're not going to like end up wasting it. And I agree with you because you just never know what's going to happen. And when you have a guy that's this good, it's like, hey, I know things can seem like they're going to always last forever. Uh, up till now, that has been not true. Things don't last forever. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert. History is pretty universal in things not lasting forever. Yeah, spoiler alert for all of you that's sitting around and be like, man, this is going to last forever. It's like, no, it's not going to. Um, so the, high, school, high school me has the receipts on that. Things do not and last yeah, they forever. Just, they, they look, they just on paper kind of look, I mean, maybe not worse, but definitely not better. And so okay, just, yeah. I, I, I don't know why it's actually getting me amped up here a little bit. And there's a specific reason why they're starting five right now would be Luca, Spencer Dinwiddie, Reggie Bullock, Finney Smith and, and JaVale McGee. And then you'd have Christian Wood, Maxi Kleber, Josh Green, you know, Hardaway coming off that. You know, he's has some injury concerns. Nilakina. Nothing about that outside of the fact that you have Luca blows your skirt up. And to your point about where he is and entering his prime. I know once you commit the bit, you know, you commit money, you know that, hey, this could screw things up for us in a couple of years if it doesn't go right. But the beauty of Luca being 23 years old is you could go all in on an opportunity this offseason, have it work, you know, work out, quote unquote, to whatever degree in the playoffs, and then reboot it. Like you could reset yourself when Luca is 26 and rebuild around him again. Like that's what I think the failing is for the Mavericks is that you have a player at the right age and under control that isn't going anywhere. You could do this. You could do it three times over the remainder of his career. You could take big swings and have it not work out and reset it again and again. Unlike if you have a LeBron James, if you have a Kevin Durant, or if you're the New York Knicks, to your point before, if you have a team that doesn't have that superstar talent, well, when you take the big swing, it needs to be successful because you could be talking about this is going to determine our franchise's future for the next five to six, seven seasons. Whereas with Luka, it's like, man, I could fire bullets and come back in two years and reboot it. And that that's what I think is frustrating. If I'm, if I'm a Mavericks fan, I'm like, I, I'm mildly disappointed with what they did not accomplish this offseason. Yeah, maybe we get Nick Angstead uh, from Lockdown Mavs to talk about this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, I, I'm curious about it, yeah. But the, uh, the, yeah, so, okay, a good comp, an interesting comp for this would be when the Bucks went all in to get Drew Holiday t- uh, to bring out yes. with Giannis, right? Um, I will say the one difference there, um, and this might be a failing of the Mavs also, like, is that they also had Chris Middleton there. Like, they had a second guy at that point, and then Holiday was the third guy. Where the Mavs don't have, the Mavs don't have a second guy right now. Like, they don't yeah. even have, like, I mean, if you want to say that Brunson was the second guy, I, okay, I, not really. And so, um, like, they had a wing, you know, a stop wing defender in Middleton who could score. Like, he checked a lot of boxes as a number two, and if he was going to be your number two or three, you were going to be a really good team. The The Mavs don't have that behind Luka right now because who's their, you know, who's their second best player right now? It's like, I mean, is it Dinwiddie? Is it, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's, it's yeah. I mean, is it Maxi Kleber? Like, what my point is, when I don't even know, when it's, like, not totally clear who it is, you might stop yourself from going all in because you're like, well, we haven't defined it. Now, again, it's a fault of theirs because they don't have the second guy and they, therefore they can't make the move. So they're stuck in this weird place. You can also think to yourself, well, Luca is so good and he is like he is this good, right? Like and he and by all accounts, after watching him at FIBA, like he is in 
going to come in way better shape this season than he did last season, and he's going to be a complete and utter wrecking ball. Like, he's so good that the conversation does change. But if you want to use this like, hey, how long is your window? We saw the Bucks say to themselves, we're not sure. Now, it's a little different then because they hadn't re-signed Giannis, and they were trying to entice they were t- making mm-hmm. sure that he didn't leave. It's a little different here with Luca. Like they have Luca set now. They did not have Giannis long term when they brought in Holiday. They got him long term, like basically right after, but he committed. And then they won the championship and it worked. So, yeah, not making moves like this, it does seem weird. I do think their powder is pretty dry ish in terms of being able to make something. And maybe they just didn't see Mitchell as the guy. But it would that would have been a pretty interesting. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you right now too. So the, the couple of caveats just to lay it out there because we're we're talking broad strokes now. They only have nine picks, you know, through 2029 in terms of being able to put together a package like that. It would have been hard for them. They could have gotten to two or three first round picks, and then if you start to get into pulling players off this roster, you're saying, well, is Spencer Dinwiddie yeah. still going to be here or not? But pre-Jalen Brunson getting away, that's when the sign-in trade comes into effect there and maybe being able to help facilitate something. And you just mentioned it. I With Spencer Dinwiddie there, I can make a really strong case that with him as the go-between with Donovan Mitchell and Luka, well, now all of a sudden you have like a three-headed guard monster there that is a really dangerous team. And just I'll cap it off by saying, when you look at the Western Conference, it's like, what you know, they were a four-seed at 52-30, and 30, and that's great. But again, Minnesota made seismic shifts here. L.A. is coming back just by by simply by being healthy and getting their squad back together. And the Pelicans are a team on the rise. It's just when you look at the top with Phoenix, Memphis, and Golden State, I won't be shocked if Dallas is closer to a seventh seed than they are to the fourth seed in this season just by the fact that it's going to be more competitive and some teams are on the rise. And I don't think for a team that's surprised some people with what they accomplished in the playoffs, that's where you, you cannot rest on it. You have to fully commit and go in and say, oh, we caught some people off guard. How do we bolster this thing? Arguably, they made these moves, and maybe it is coming down the pike here, and it's a matter of doing it next offseason, not this offseason. So time can tell on it, but I'm just, I was a fan, a fan of what they did in the playoffs, and I thought they should have done a lot more. Coming up here in a second, I want to just talk, I want to touch on this Knicks thing real quick because I had a talk about coming in sideways with a really uncomfortable question for Doug and the Brooklyn Nets, and then we'll also tap into this conversation around what could have been in the offseason. Everything swirling around Kevin Durant, potential trade partners, a little bit of info came out there that could have been a shocking, seismic, re-seismic shift in alignment of the Western Conference. Okay, so quickly on on the Knicks piece, you mentioned about how they don't go all in on this Donovan Mitchell, but they set themselves up to do so. When you look over at all of the capital, as we were just talking about the Mavericks and what they don't have to be able to make a move, the New York Knicks have everything at their disposal. They have 20 draft picks coming up, including four first-round picks. Uh, in the in next year's draft, they have multiples into 2024 all the way down the line, right? They are limitless, and they also have some players, maybe like an R.J. Barrett and beyond. You can you can you can tell me stop it, Adam. You know you're hurting everyone's feelings here. If things weren't going well for the Nets as you hit the trade deadline, and they came a knocking, and you're and you're Sean Marks and the, and the Nets, do you go? Oh, we have we can we can literally have the pick of everything you've got there and all the draft capital and everything else. You want KD? Great. You want to add him into whatever you have? It's going to cost you R.J. Barrett and a whole bunch of assets, but that would be the team that keeps missing, and if it was on the table, they'd probably cut off every limb of their body to make that work, something that the Nets couldn't find in this offseason in a trade partner when these discussions were going on. Okay, so 
the one though I, I think it's a little tinfoil hat. This. I know, I know. It's okay. No, no, but it's okay because it actually brings up a larger concept that I that I want to touch on here. And I think we talked about it before. Um, I just can't remember if we talked about it here or on another locked on like network show. But one thing that um, is interesting with this is I. I know people would all often say, "Oh, like you don't want to, you, you don't want to trade with the Knicks because they're like it's in town and you always have to see them, and it's like their rival." Yeah. That that I think that people probably need to like always get out of their heads, right? Like right. the team shouldn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like whatever team has the best package, like it's only you that's getting the package. So like you can't worry, you can't worry about if it's like you're oh you're gonna be having headlines or it's gonna be across the town and MSG or whatever all this stuff is. Like there's not enough teams. There's just not enough teams to take one off the table because they're geographically located <laughs> right. near you. Like it doesn't right. because you know because you can throw a stone and hit their stadium. Doesn't matter or their arena. That that part can't matter in a decision making process because there's just not enough teams. And so. From that standpoint, if the Knicks had the best package in this crazy world where like they were going to do it, I, I don't think it would ever happen, really. But that's but it's not because of the it's not because it's the Knicks. It's just because I just think too many stars would need to align for that. But I don't. You should never be a fan that says, "Well, I can't do it with the Knicks because I I would never be able to watch them." Like who cares? Like if they have the best package the anyway, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, right, exactly. Oh, that's a great point. That's actually that's the whole point. You did it. That's the whole point. It's like, were you turning on Knicks games anyway? Great. Right. Keep not turning them on. Right. Like it just doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's going to hurt you too much to see headlines around KD. I mean, then go take a walk. I, I don't know. Like take a walk around the block. It's just. It just doesn't. That part should never matter for fans in terms of where a player goes because the the second they leave. The lawn, it's just different laundry, and they are just putting on a different jersey. And it, it, so, whatever team has, like that was the same thing with Philly. It's like, oh yeah, do you want to have them be in your conference? Well, if they have the best thing to trade back, then who cares? Yes, right. who, yes, who cares? I, it doesn't. It, that that part can't matter. There's 30 teams, you only have 29 to trade with, and there's just not enough things to go around. And, and by the way, the biggest point that I make on that is just because when we talk about those trade partners and who's available to you, what's so just attractive, just to further your point, when you look at the New York Knicks, it's not just that they have all these first-round picks. They have first-round picks from the Washington Wizards. They have first-round picks in the next two years from the Detroit Pistons. Other teams' assets that you're not getting back any team you're trading with their first-round pick, which gets diminished because you're giving them a quality player. This is teams that we assume are going to be, at best, near the bottom, Detroit specifically. Man, if I can get Detroit's 2023 and 2024 first-round pick in a potential package like that, it certainly raises some eyebrows. Obviously, let's just be clear here, that's not the intention or the desire for what happens for this season. Do you want to even get into this Kevin Durant uh, will you know tease here Golden State Warriors and the trade package that could have been and just kind of that speculation? We can come back into it next week because I think in some ways talking about the – Last week, the teams that did it right this offseason, the teams that maybe missed the mark today when we talk about the Knicks and the Mavs, and then these little caveats that are on the table where the start of this season and what happens ahead of the deadline does leave a little bit of open-ended report cards on the teams that missed the mark, right? Because there's still opportunities here to say, oh, no, we were just waiting for the right player and the right circumstance to come up here. We still have all of our assets and capital to make that move. Yeah, so on the KD thing, real quick out the door, because we thought about doing a whole episode about this, and we just kind of decided that it's probably not. We can touch on it later if more info comes out. A Rolling Stone article came out that said that the Warriors had basically um, discussed bringing Kevin Durant back, and Seth Curry jumped in on a quote uh, talking about Steph, where he was like, you know, it speaks to Durant's character and what they, what, how he's viewed around the league that they would discuss. That He said that his brother would think about it, right? Um, mm-hmm. I... 
I see this story as like, we talked about this. It's like the Warriors would be nuts to not discuss it, right? They have a package that could get to, that could get close on Durant. Like they have guys, right? They have the young guys. They have picks. And Cyrus from Locked On Warriors, when we had done that crossover, like he made the compelling case of like the best package available out there in the landscape. The Warriors could actually produce that yeah, yeah. and make it line up. So yeah, right. So it would be crazy to not at least discuss it. Like it's Kevin Durant you're talking about. It doesn't matter the history. I do think also that there is an overblown aspect to how fans kind of think about these guys and how they think about basketball. Like, I think you just can't, again, for the umpteenth millionth time, you cannot compare your own life to these these guys. Like, they're just multi-millionaires who have all the fame in the world. Their brains are not wired the way yours are wired. And so, and this is not a negative. It's just different, right? It's just like you don't compare your own life with your job to like going back into the old office where you didn't like your boss. Like that's not what's happening here. There's, it's funny. It's like the same way that uh, I mentioned before with the finite number of teams, these players understand that too. There's only so many teams to go to. Yes. Durant left. Like there was extenuating circumstances there. Would he go back? I don't know. Like, but the, (laughs) the part where the part where the warriors would discuss it, like, of course they would. And I, I, but I do, I think it actually got that close. Probably not. But, um, it's one of those things like it sort of sounded to me like, hey, we're discussing this as a possible option. Would everyone be cool with it? Yes, we would. And then the organization ultimately decided that they just didn't want to do it, which also makes sense. I, I don't know. Is, it, a huge, way, is, is it, it ground is it, shifting? No, it's just kind of obvious. It's kind of obvious to me. Well, and isn't <laughs> like, it also just in, in any of these circumstances, if you're any player around the league, to your point about I want the best players, I want a chance to win. Does it ever hurt you to just put that out there that like, hey, yeah, we were into it. Like, I'd love to have KD back. I'd love to, you know, love to have him be a part of this thing. Just in case. Still on the table, by when, the way. Like, that's, that's what I mean. If, depending how uh, how things unfold here, then you'd like to know that Kevin Durant knows, yeah, we were into it, right? Not, ah, we feel good yeah. where we are, right? Never be a team that says one of the best players in the league might be available and you go, nah, <laughs> why why bother? And that's No why. thanks. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, thank you. Hey, you want to read something on a tall shelf? Andre the Giant's over there. I'm not going to ask him. You know nah, what? No, nah, I don't like work him. on my ups, and I'll get there on my own. So, yeah. I don't like his onesie. That he, I don't like the onesie he wears. Like, I think, no, it's like, it was no, across the shoulder thing. That's the problem. Why just one? What's yeah, so scale? it's like, is it a story? Kind of. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Did it mean that there was a, this trade imminent? No. And so it's just where and I, I wouldn't be surprised if you – I know you've heard a couple of these things come out too. James Jones basically um, from uh, – Sorry, the Suns, the GM, he came out and was like, he was never really available. <laughs> like, it was like, we never were close. So he kind of had a statement that said, was something along those lines. It was like, yeah, we never got close because the Nets weren't that interested in trading him. And so, right. like, they entertained some offers, but he kind of confirmed some things that we already believed to be the case, which was that call us with the absolute thing that just rocks our world. Otherwise, like save, save your minutes. I guess we, I guess we don't have to pay for extra minutes now, but like you save the data, save your minutes. Don't go over because you don't, it, like, if it's not after 9 PM, don't call me. Cause I'm not going to waste daytime. Minutes remember those days, man, I'm going to date it. myself. I had some real sweats with the, when it came to the, when it came to the old, when people after would 9 call PM and you just, you go, well, I'm obviously not answering this. It's not after 9 PM guys. What are we doing here? Everything. My life exists after 9 PM. Now, tragically, my life ends before 9 PM. So there you go. That's so that's the okay. way of the well, world. That, well, on that note, all right, we're going to get out of here. We'll be back again a couple times more this week, obviously. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel as well as we continue. To go. We're getting close to 3,000. We've got a couple milestones we're going to hit here in the next couple months. We'll break the other ones uh, in the next coming weeks. But the next one we want to hit is 3,000 subscribers over on YouTube. Uh, hit subscribe over there including pushing past that 9 p.m. curfew that I've set for myself. Hey, listen, you got to like what you do, as Doug and I do on the podcast. Why not? 
I'm one of those fortunate people who likes my job. Got my first chemistry set when I was seven, blew my eyebrows off. We never saw that cat again. Been into it ever since. That is Stanley Goodspeed from Ooh. The Rock. Yeah, I was going to say, one of the all-time great poets. Oh, my goodness. I love that. Love that movie. Go back and watch that one. A little <laughs> slow-mo little slow-mo blowing up. I could take that all day long. Stanley we will be back Goodspeed. again. This, we'll be back again some other time talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.